From the plastic microphone studios deep in the heart of Cajun country, this is Faye Five from Vans. I'm your host, Ray, Jamie Ray. We've got a thrilling show lined up for you out there in the podcast universe. But before we begin this episode, I want to do a special Faye Five shout out to one of my Faye Five favorites. At MJ Bema is a new follower of the show and a huge Bond fan in her own right. You can follow Emma, diamonds are for Emma, isn't that a great name, uh, on Twitter and discuss all things Bond. She's a Scot who's overseas and away from home, so send her a secret encoded message and tell her just how you like your martini. Today, I've invited super spy Gerald Al Albrich. Al Alberich. I'm Jared Albrich. That guy too. <laughs> We're just going to go with the yard sale artist <laughs> to discuss our favorite James Bond films. Jared is an artist who's produced work for Marvel as a sketch card artist. His comic Hamilton versus Burr, a werewolf tale, uh, which is an incredible comic book and a furry piece of historical fiction, though it's not, furries doing the the fiction there it, because it's a werewolf anyway right um <laughs> he's also the art director cover artist and inker for white rocket books and he's a rom pal i'm very excited to have him on the show welcome to fave five jared well thanks for having me here your your studio is amazing um it's all it's it's you know it's a podcast so the listeners don't know but it's elaborate uh, but yet cozy. Mm -hmm. I like the fireplace. I like how there's a lot of things that are gilded. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a few there's, TVs. There's tube televisions. There's tube televisions, but classy tube tel Anybody, anybody who clicks tube TVs like me is my kind of guy, Jamie. I'm going <laughs> to... You couldn't oh, see uh, it, but I've got my CED player over there. Oh man, that's because cool. I do have some Bond movies on CED, but I don't have a player. I haven't come across one recently. I actually have "Live and Let Die" on CED, nice. <laughs> which you can't see it on the podcast, but he's got a poster behind his his head. And I've just got to you've got to share this story real quick about how you got that poster and what else came with it because that's a pretty damn cool yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, as we were warming up for the show, you noticed this. This I have the full size "Live and Let Die" poster, and it's framed right behind my head. And he was like, "Is it going to be on your top five? I'm like, "Surprisingly, it's not a top five. I mean, I love it, but I told him I was like, "It was a big day because I went to a Goodwill, and I saw it, and it was bundled with all these other little framed items that were like wrapped in paper, so I couldn't tell what they were." The only thing I could tell what it was was the big live and let die poster. And they, they wanted $10 for it. 
And I was like, heck yeah, I'll give you $10 for that because it's great. It's just a really, it's like I said, nicely framed already. I just hang it on my wall. And so I got home and I cut off and, and opened what was in the little frame things. And there was a framed mini poster for Skyfall with Daniel Craig. And there were four other things in there. Mm-hmm. And the other four things was a signed autographed picture of Sean Connery from Goldfinger. There was a Lazenby uh, autograph picture, a Roger Moore autograph picture, and a Timothy Dalton autograph picture. And I was like, all that for ten dollars. I, <laughs> I, was I hate away. you. I'm just so. I'm sorry. I just. I hate. I. You. I, uh, I almost hate myself, Jamie. I was like, this. This is the. I, I. You know, I've been yard sailing for twenty something years. That's one of my favorite scores I've ever done. Well, I picked up an autographed uh, Eric Estrada book for a dollar once. So it's kind of the well, same there you thing. Go. Yep. There you go. Hey, that's good to have when the chips are down. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, yard sale artist, you have like your own website. Um, you're on Twitter mm-hmm. as yard sale artist. Um, mm-hmm. What does that mean? Tell tell mm-hmm. all 13 of my fans. All right. All right. All 13. Yay. 13th guy listen up <laughs> the other dozen were listening i could tell uh so yard sale artists it's just kind of a natural thing for me as as i finished up my military career and i i dabbled in art in my youth and middle school and high school and then as i finished up my military career i actually came back from iraq i don't mind sharing this it's a bit personal but i think people should hear it i came back from iraq and th- there's certain difficulties um depression anxiety and things like that that go with that and so um luckily I, it's it at least i hope it still is it was mandatory at the time that you take some counseling when you got home like the, right. the military said you have to i think i had to go to a minimum of two counseling sessions which i think was a good thing because the counselor said um you you need to do something to, to anti a good anti-depression is to do something where you can see progress and success you can physically see it so like if you go out and just mow your lawn, you automatically kind of, it's an antidepressant because you can right. see that something has improved. And I was like, well, I'm going to get back to my art. I'm going to do some art projects because I can see completion. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it birthed from. I started using it as an antidepressant. And uh, I also have been a big yard sailor for 20 years. So what it started out as is I would find things at yard sales that I could paint on. Um, I, I would find these, these, you know, maybe it was an old painting that somebody had already done of a beautiful countryside and then you know i would add you know maybe it's a big countryside and i would add you know i don't know captain america uh to it or something silly or i i, I remember finding a big round uh, or oblong mirror like a full-size mirror and a, uh-huh. a big sort of stretched out oval and i painted the silver surfer on it because not only did it look like a surfboard surfboard but i like i say i painted the silver surfer i painted everything but him so he was the only still mirrored thing left after i painted everything else so i that's kind of what i was doing and i was really enjoying that (laughs) but then i got i got i got on the convention scene jamie and moving those big pieces around got really hard oh yeah and i was like man this is such a it's so hard to move these big pieces around and when i go to the cons i have to big build this big wooden wall to 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 hold the weight of all that. And I thought, man, I still love being the art sale artist, but I need to do something that weighs less. <laughs> so what I really started to focus on was books, old yes. books, the more fallen apart, the better, because at some point I'd picked up, a. it's going to fit in nicely for the show, Jamie. I picked up a copy of Goldfinger at a yard mm-hmm. sale and it was, it was like an original 60 something copy. 
Wow. And the pages were falling out. It was so old and brittle. And I was like, oh, it's, I love it so much, but I don't want to throw it away, but it's dead. It's beautiful. And that's the day that I was like, you know what? I'm going to draw Goldfinger, the character Goldfinger on yeah. Goldfinger. And I drew him and I drew Oddjob and I drew James, of course. And I drew Pussy Galore on the book pages. And people like really responded like, this is a cool idea. This is a good it idea. Is. And I went, and this is a much lighter idea. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so now I'm hitting up yard sales and I'm finding books like, uh, yeah, I'll find, I found uh, the Ghost Rider from Marvel. There was an actual uh -huh. novel. Oh, wow. Like a novelization of the first Nick well, Cage movie. I guess that kind of makes sense. I found that at a yard sale. So then I drew Ghost Rider on that and it, it just snowballed from there. And now I have literally hundreds of these to choose from um, because as I've been drawing them, I've been scanning them in and I make prints of them all available on my website. You knew there was a plug coming eventually, <laughs> but we'll get, to, we'll plug me later. But uh, that's what I really do now is is what I call book page sketches. In fact, if you go on Twitter or whatever and you just search hashtag book page sketch, you're going to find my stuff because I tag right. every one of mine with <laughs> book page sketch. And there's hundreds now, just wow. hundreds because people people will come to me on social media and be like, hey, can I get uh, a John Wayne? Right. I had someone ask me, can I get a John Wayne? I was like, well, I don't I don't have a John Wayne book, but I'll start hunting for you. You know, okay. and, and lo and behold, I was a goodwill probably not two or three weeks after that. And I'm looking through the books and I, and the late, the ladies that work there are literally stocking shelf. And the, and I just overhear him. She goes, this copy of true grit, the pages are falling out. And the other ladies oh. throw it away. And I said, <laughs> give me that true grit. I've been looking for this and the pages are falling out. That's what I need. You know? Wow. And it's just weird how those things come together. So long story short, I was painting on big stuff. And then it kind of moved to, to really to book pages and just finding those at yard sales. And I, I still go out yard sale, Goodwill, and oh my gosh, uh, library book sales. Library is a great sales. place to find them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that was a long answer to an easy question. I know. I'm sorry. I'll, <laughs> I'll be briefer in the future. <laughs> no, you won't. Come on. <laughs> no, I, that was a lie. Yeah. Okay. You like to talk and that's good because you're a podcaster as well on <laughs> at least two different shows yourself. You're on the Long Box Crusade and OHMS Pod for On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Very which, good. That is correct. Which is the one of the reasons why I reached out to you on this. Because mm -hmm. I said, if somebody knows Bond, James Bond, it's going to be the three-minute artist. And... Uh, <laughs> You've gotten a three-minute sketch for me, haven't you? I yes, I have. And that's for you. That's what it was. It was a ROM sketch for the first time, and I remember you were amazed. Not only that I was asking for a ROM, but that I knew who ROM was. And <laughs> yeah, it's not what I get a lot. No, no. I bet you will now, though. You know, because they're all there. I mean, you saw that Hasbro and um, Marvel mm -hmm. signed a deal, and Micronauts now. So, yes. Fingers crossed, star yours. It's gonna be any day now. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, no, I saw that news. People are pretty excited about yeah. what is commonly being referred to now as the Romnibus. The Romnibus. Yep. Mm. That's very exciting. So um, so anyway, so that's uh kind of how we met. We met at a con and you you did a sketch for me, and the love affair has gone on from then. Uh, <laughs> but before we dive into all of this i understand that you have something coming up that we should talk mm. about and i kind of mentioned part of it any uh, earlier where you have this fantastic book uh hamilton versus burr uh, a werewolf tale um mm. so tell us a little bit about what's going on and where people can find you 
All right. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I currently have a Kickstarter going on. It runs until, oh, there's about three weeks left in it as we record here uh, in early June. Um, But yes, it's a complicated story, but I'm trying to simplify it. So I I wrote Hamilton versus Burr Werewolf Tale about five years ago. Uh, I, 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 this was kind of like in the early days of, of crowdfunding. So I didn't even do that. I just funded it on my own and I was able to make a, a little profit selling them at the cons. And to my great delight and surprise, after about four, four and a half years, I sold out. I sold all my copies. Uh, people tended to like it, which made me very happy. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do a, a second print run of it. And again, I was like, mm, should I crowdfund it? Should I not? And that is when I discovered that over the last four and a half or so years, the price of paper has nearly doubled. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep offering it at the lower price point with this price of paper unless maybe I can get a Kickstarter to help defer the print costs. And yes, it, it, it's the same comic. I wanted to offer something new for people who may have backed me in the past, even <laughs> Even though it's been four and a half years, so there's plenty of new people coming to it. But <laughs> I want to do something new. So I got with my buddy Mark Hatherley, who's an amazing penciler out of Bermuda. And and Mark drew a new cover for it, and I inked it. And my buddy Ace colored it. So there's a new cover for it. And we actually also did a rare one in five where it's just the ink work, non-colored. Oh, wow cover as well it's all available at different tiers at the kickstarter and we're also offering original sketch cards by the by nate niles the guy who drew the interiors and the original cover back in the day which we are also still offering for for people who like that one um and we're offering actual pages like nate's original pages that we scanned in and made the comic with so we're trying to add some value to it for people who may want to come back in and re-support us or if you're listening the first time you want to support us just go to kickstarter the easiest way to do it is just in the search bar right hamilton werewolf and (laughs) you'll find it right hamilton werewolf you'll find our project uh as of this moment of recording we are 65 percent funded we're getting very close so if you want to stop by and and pick a tier and support this book i would really appreciate it so and i appreciate you giving me the platform to talk about it jamie so yeah hamilton versus burr over on kickstarter and i can't uh tell you enough that you should run not walk to your computer and support this project because it is a wonderful book uh, <clears throat> i love the first cover it's kind of like the hamilton logo sort of for the musical uh, mm-hmm. so i'm really excited to see what this new one's going to be oh it's it's big it's bigger actionier. um it's good stuff. Yeah, it was, it was funny. Actioneer, write that one Action-ear. down. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing that one down because that's you know new new word. <laughs> I the, I got to tell an anecdote now about the original cover because I wrote Hamilton versus Burrow Werewolf Tale, completely oblivious to the fact that the Hamilton was becoming a thing on Broadway, and I wrote Huge. Hamilton versus Burr. Yeah, I wrote the story and this is like right when it's becoming a thing but i don't know this because i live in rural alabama broadway <laughs> is not our speciality okay broadway and don't so come finished... to auburn come on uh, yeah so i i wrote the story and i contacted my friend van plexico who owns white rocket and i said hey would you be interested in in putting this under the white rocket name uh being sort of the publisher and helping me navigate those waters and he said oh absolutely and he goes with the popularity of hamilton this is this is an absolute win and that's what i said what (laughs) and he's like yeah it's getting getting really big on broadway and it was sort of a sort of a lightning in the bottle coincidence and that's when i called my artist and i said okay i know we're gonna make the cover look like (laughs) we gotta do a play on the playbill 
Oh, uh, mom, so, can yeah. I get the, can I get the Hamilton thing? <laughs> and I get that a lot. It's it's so funny because I wrote it. I'm thinking that like, oh, my my target audience is going to be kind of like probably like dudes in their 20s and 30s that know about American history and think werewolves are cool. And I sell so many to teenage girls. That's awesome. Teena- teenage girls walk by my table and they go Hamilton, and I go, it's a you know, it's a werewolf story, and they go, that's even better. Oh my God. And- <laughs> Lin Manuel. Oh, but it, it uh not just exclusively teenage girls, but no, they no. they made up a bigger market share than I would have thought. Mostly. <laughs> oh. oh, well, that is awesome, man. So yes, yeah, so go back Kickstarter, Hamilton Werewolf, and you'll come right to it, and you can they can spend yeah. all of their monies on you. Yeah, I, I would it. really appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe you can go out and you know buy some some new stuff that you don't need and then you can send to me i've actually been tagging you a lot lately because i've started getting back into yard sales uh, we call them garage sales here too uh and that's where i got those uh the couple of those tvs over there and mm-hmm. i've gotten what good deals that you can get out there you know oh goodness yes There's some crazy hey. stuff and, and listen up, people, if you like old video gaming, you got to get a tube TV because yes. games like Duck Hunt and those laser gun games don't work on modern TVs. You have to have a tube TV to play. I them. did not know that. So don't if you're going to get rid of some or sell them or give them away, at least keep one so you can play Duck Hunt and all the other <laughs> light gun games back in the day. But your but your Nintendo Power Glove still works with the flat screen TVs, right? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's right. It never works. Ever actually worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so we'll say if uh, effectiveness is the same, then <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, all right. Wow. I am, uh, I am so ready for this. Um, so we have decided that there will be no honorable mentions in this. You're going to come just straight for the five and, and I respect uh-huh. that. Um, I, I you know, what? I, I surprisingly, I have something to say about that. You didn't see this coming, but I do. I, my honorable mention is going to be this. There's 25 James Bond movies. Okay. 26, 26 if you count 27 those. kind of in 27 give you want to throw in casino 28 if you want to put in the original casino anyway one of my favorite things about this franchise is even it, it, I'll, let me bear my soul i'm not a huge fan of the craig era um but okay. i love the fact that there is a bond movie for whatever mood you're in or whatever kind of a fan you're in there's there's so many different flavors that you can watch and that's what i love most about it and that's why i think it's a uniting franchise so before we get these top five you're not going to find a daniel craig in mine okay um i don't hate him it's just he's not my favorite but i do enjoy some of his films when i'm in the right mood so I just think that's a beautiful thing about the Bond franchise is there's a Bond for every person and there's a Bond movie for whatever mood you're in. And I think that's fantastic. That is that is awesome. But what about the uh, the 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 beach chair scene in Casino Royale with with Hamilton? I mean, with with Craig, that's pretty spot on to the to the novel. Yes, the I was surprised at that because I actually read the novel after I saw Casino Royale in 2006. And I went, oh, my gosh, this is actually in the book. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was working offshore, I used to take. I I would was a voracious reader, and I went back and and found all of the paperbacks of the books and read them through. And I remember reading that scene, going, <gasps> and then it makes you think. Okay, now every time James Bond was with one of these women, they were all like, hmm. hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Hey, maybe he's a good healer. Maybe he's like Wolverine. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Okay. Well, um, I have to, well, I do have one honorable mention then. If you're going to do that, I'm going to do that. 
it's not really honorable mention, but I, I gotta say Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is one of my favorites. Um you, know, you don't see yes. James Bond much. Um I don't actually remember, you know, but but you've got the thrill and the mystery. <laughs> I think Gert Frobe, who played Goldfingers in it. Exactly. So I mean and it, it's in the it's universe. By Ian Fleming. Exactly. By Ian Fleming. So there you go. You ever seen that that movie with uh Sean Connery's son where it's the life of Ian Fleming? I I just recently found said movie and I haven't watched it yet, but I do own it. I, oh, okay. I found it like a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, I gotta watch this. Yeah, I think it came out like in the late 80s or early 90s. Yeah, I think it's like 89, 90, something, some right yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's an interesting movie. It's it's a little, you know, goes into the World War One stuff that he was in and whatnot. But it's a it's a it's a good enough movie to watch. And then it's his son. Uh, uh so it's like, hey, you can see it. anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's 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 do this. Okay. Uh, all right so i'm ready you're ready why don't you give me your number five favorite james bond film all right sir coming in at number five is going to be my favorite james bond actor mr timothy dalton in the living daylights 1987 bond james bond good one I like right. the Living Daylights for a couple of reasons. Well, you want me to elaborate, or do you? Yes, please. No, I. Okay. You speak. Speak from your heart. All right, sir. I like it for a couple of reasons. A, uh, Dalton's my favorite font. Uh, okay. Uh, B, I like its its return. It feels like it's almost DNA connected to From Russia with Love. It's so very Cold War, and so very um, gray. And 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 drab as we are in a lot of it takes place in like Eastern East Germany, like Soviet controlled mm -hmm. Eastern Europe. And so it has that gray drabness that that existed then, which is heightened on me because at, in 1987, I moved to Germany. And so this was the Bond film that I'm watching on VHS is unfortunately, this is one of the few that I missed on the big screen because we were moving to Germany, but I'm watching it on VHS and I'm actually living are in and around the culture that I'm seeing on the screen. So it has wow. this huge impact for me. I'm like, this is what reality, well, reality, it's James Bond, but this is what the <laughs> landscape looks like. And so it it really touches me deeply. It has, it is, <laughs> I was about to say, it has my very favorite John Barry score, but that's a very, it's always in competition with Majesty's Secret Service for, for the best John Barry score. But I, I really, really love the score. And uh, I just think it's a, it's a fantastically, uh, a fun James Bond movie. That's awesome. So, you know, speaking of, uh, of the music, for me, I mean, the scores are awesome. They're, they're always incredible. But um, the theme songs are so amazingly varied and different. And sometimes when you see a movie, it just kind of really evokes, oh, man, that was, I can remember that, or I can remember this, you know. So when we get down to the bottom, I want you to be thinking about it right now. I'm going to want to know a couple of your favorite theme songs. Not a problem. All right. So we're going to chew that, chew those around a little bit. Um, is that the one where um, they ski down a mountain in an oboe case? It's a cello, but yes, cello. Sir. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> the things you remember. Uh, okay. Um, well, that's a good one. Starting out strong, starting out very strong. Um, I am going to counter that one from just a couple of years later. 
actually, because that is when I was right. I was 17, 18 years old. You know, I was going to the movies. I was watching stuff. Uh, I was starting to work in a video store uh, in a little bit. So I, I was getting a lot of time to watch that. Uh, I'm going to have to say License to Kill is my number five from 1989. Again, mm. with with Timothy Dalton. Bond, James Bond. Now, Connery is always going to be my favorite, okay? Do I think he's the best James Bond? Eh, not necessarily. Um, but Timothy Dalton just kind of exudes that suave character. Again, reading the books, you know he's not uh, what you would call an incredibly handsome man. He's a rugged yeah. man and stuff. And Timothy Dalton is a handsome man. I can say that. I'm in touch with enough with my stuff that I'm okay with. <laughs> he is dreamy. I'll take yeah, it. He's dreamy. <laughs> okay, he is. But License to Kill um, just had so much in it, so much going on in it. And um, first of all, you got to talk about, you know, um, Benicio del Toro was like mm -hmm. a kid almost in this movie. Mm -hmm. I, I went he back was 19 and watched, when they filmed it. Yes. I went back and watched uh, <laughs> a couple of the scenes with him in it. And it was just, it blew me away how just like charismatic and energetic he was. But yeah. um, so first of all, you, you know, you've got um, Felix Leiter in it and it's, I'll go ahead and say it. It's the death of Felix Leiter. One of the well, deaths. Yeah, well, one of the <laughs> He's, I, I will, to, to be a quick to correct, he's still alive at the end of the movie, but he Is got he? ate up really bad. Yeah, there's a scene at he the was very dead. end where he got fed to the shark, but he actually, he actually survived. And oh, by the way, this happened in the books as well. I think it was Live and Let Die, the book. Um, He, he loses a leg and an arm from the shark. But yeah, there's a scene at the end of the movie where Felix calls, calls James from his hotel room. Okay, and, so, and it's it's easy to, it's easy to assume that he I died totally forgot. if you hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, he actually made it out, and it was David Hedison who played him in that one. Which is David was at the time the only repeat Felix Leiter because he had been in Live and Let Die also. Right, right. And there were there were so many of them. I remember that. Um, yep. So of course it's got Anthony Zerb, you know who I I love Anthony Zerb. Um, <laughs> he was in everything in the 1970s. He was in every 1970s. The Omega Man, man. You know. <laughs> But uh, one of the things that always sticks out is Priscilla Barnes as uh, the, the yes. Mrs. Leiter. God, she was so beautiful yes. in that movie. Goodness. Uh, she's she's gorgeous. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. So so this was directed by John Glenn. And uh, it's the story of um, cocaine gas, basically. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how they can do that. If you want to give your car a little extra, ooh, you, you give it cocaine <laughs> gas, man. <laughs> So it's uh it's 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 fun. Um, you've got a lot of a lot of the drug and of course, like you were saying earlier, there's different uh, periods for each film. There's different moods, and this is definitely when you know we were in the 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 cartel craze uh, with the war on drugs and just say no and dare and all of that. So so of course it's going to reflect yeah. a lot of that what was that was going on. Um, but it's uh, uh it's a fun movie. There's there, they blowed stuff up real good in it. And um, oh, yeah. that's going to be my number five. Listen, good choice. It Thanks. might show up later on my list. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, let's see what's uh, showing up on your list for number four. At number four, we are going to meet Mr. Roger Moore. 
in 1981. Is it 80 or 81? You'd think a Bond expert like me would remember. You would I'll think say that. 81 for your eyes only. My name is Bond, James Bond. For your eyes only, 1981, Roger Moore. Uh, this is Roger Moore almost literally back down to Earth because we lost last saw him in Moonraker mm-hmm. where he was in space. Yep. And this is his return to Earth. So, yeah, Moonraker 79, so this would have been 81. And this is a really ground. This is the closest to Fleming as Roger Moore ever got. Now, I love light and airy and super charming Roger Moore. You can't right. not love light, airy, super charming Roger Moore. It's impossible. But if you want to see him at his sort of hardest edge and uh, talk about nonstop action scenes from ski chases to awesome car chases in Greece to underwater submarine battles to mountain climbing uh, danger, it's so pistachios awesome everywhere. It's pistachios everywhere, but no heroin. Uh, <laughs> you got to love Roger Moore and Free Your Eyes Only. And this is this one put a really big mark on me because I'm about oh five or six years old at this time, and uh, we have this babysitter, a friend of my mom's, who actually has HBO. And in 1981, that was some fancy, fancy stuff, my friend. And HBO was playing the heck out of this movie. And just so I saw it over and over and over again, and it just has stayed with me through the years. Bill Conti does the score for it. The same guy who did this, the very famous Rocky scores, uh-huh. um, he lends his awesome talents to James Bond. And uh, yeah, it's it's just fantastic. So I, I love the adventure. And this is this is Roger Moore at his peak for me. I I cannot agree with you more. This is a fantastic film. Um, so fantastic. It's actually my number three. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I love so much uh, about this movie. Um, it's for me, if I'm not mistaken, God, I hope I'm not. Um, that scene at the beginning of the movie where he's skiing down and he jumps off the edge and his parachute opens up. That's from this movie, right? <laughs> it's just for that is from the spy who loved me. Doggone it. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, it's particularly easy to blend Roger Moore moments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I like it anyway, too. So there. <laughs> and it was 1981. There we go. There you go. And if I'm not mistaken, and I probably am, was that one directed by John Glenn, too? Probably. I don't have all the directors memorized, but Glenn did a run in the 80s. So yeah. the odds on favorite is John Glenn directed <laughs> that one. I'm not going to remember for sure, but if you asked me to put $20 on it, I'd say John Glenn. Yeah, yeah. And right there, that that theme by Sheena Easton is what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> one of that's the best. One. Oh, man, that's, that's such good. a good song. Yeah. All right. Um, so your fun trivia for that is that is the first time, and I'm – it may still be the only time, but the first time that the person who actually sang it is in the opening credits, you see her singing it. Oh, right. So like they okay. actually brought her in to be part of the opening credit sequence. So Shirley Bass, they never are... did. Really? Yeah. Huh. Sheena Easton, the, I think she might still be the only one whose image is actually seen in the pre or in the title sequence there. That's interesting because, you know, I guess probably part of it too is that. They started making the videos for, and so you'd see MTV, right? They would have scenes from the movie, scens from the opening, and them. So that that could be why I'm confusing. Of course, it could be yeah, that 
or I hit 53 this year and, and 53 hit back. Um, so <laughs> trying, had trying. a mean right cross. Whoo, good lord. Wow. Well, that is a good one. Uh, that is a good one. I like that one. Um, I'm gonna have to come up with a good number four to go against that. And I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling you're gonna like this one. My number four is from 1969. It is the only time we see George Lazenby as 007 mm. on Her Majesty's Secret Service. My name's Bond, James Bond. It's a good choice. It good is choice? a good choice. And if I'm I happy. was, if I wasn't allowed, and like if I was allowed an honorable mention, like th- that right. would firmly sit in my number six spot. If this was uh, fave six from fans, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really struggled to to not have it in my top five. But it's right there. It's like it's like watching it from the bushes right. what a good movie what a good movie creeper so not <laughs> only does it have you know the have george lazaby in it which is was just a, a an interesting departure after we'd seen sean connery for so long you got telly savalas you know mm, as so good oh my, you know so good and then heart of hearts diana rigg you oh, know so good Tracy, Tracy, Tracy. Wow. Uh, and so this one tugs at the heartstrings there. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting um, when you look at these movies, and it's hard sometimes to look at them as a continuity of one person, like mm-hmm. of, of 007 going through all of these adventures because of the way that they change. But if you do look at that and you see these are the things that happened to him in this film and what he loses, what he was willing mm-hmm. to give up, and I get, did give up, um, to have her, that's how much he loved her. And then mm. to have her taken away. And then mm. it kind of feeds into, you know, how flippant he is with women, um, later on in all the other movies, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but anyway, it's just, it's, it's a phenomenal film. Um, and it's gotta be it, my number four. It's one of the very few. It's the most impactful one as far as quote unquote continuity goes. Continuity's always been loose with Bond, but it's it's refer it's they refer back to it in the Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he and and Agent Triple X are at the bar and she says she starts talking about his, she's read his dossier and she was like married once and he just stops her right there, and he's like something you know I don't remember what the line was something things we don't talk about or something like that, yeah. and then it comes up again in in License to Kill. When uh, she wants to throw him the garter belt, and he's like, "No thanks." And right, and she's like, "Did I say something wrong?" And Felix is like, "Yeah, he was married once." And it's like, so it's it's like the key movie that actually informs other movies more so than any of the others. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and he wears the kilt. I mean, it's you know, yeah, it's pretty damn awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's got nice legs. Again, I can say that because I'm confident. <laughs> yeah, he was all a right. handsome man. He's a handsome man. They're all handsome men, you know. You and me, we're handsome men, you know. Wow. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Thank God this is not video. Um, so I think now we can jump back and get your number three. All right. For number three, where I got to meet Sean Connery for the first time on my list. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see Sean Connery, Goldfinger. Bond. James Bond. Goldfinger is my number three. To me, this is this is when they locked in the James Bond formula. This is yes. where it all comes together. You get a pre-title sequence. You get the most, possibly the most bangingest James Bond 
theme song of all time with Goldfinger. <laughs> Maybe the most recognizable. Shirley Bassey just owns that song. Owns it. You get the DB5. You get the gadgets. You get the the relationship with Q gets developed. You get a cool bad guy who's just as witty as James Bond mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to, to verbal repartee. You get Odd Job, the one of the most memorable henchmen in the whole series. It just all comes together with Goldfinger in this glorious, like, it's not my number one, but if you told me to take somebody who had never seen a Bond movie before and they could only watch one to define it, I'd say watch Goldfinger. Wow, that's pretty that's, that's pretty good. And Oddjob shows up uh, two more times or just one more time? Nah, he died at the end of Goldfinger. <laughs> See, God dog it. <laughs> Who you might I be confusing him with Jaws. Jaws was in two. Jaws was in twice. Jaws yeah, was yeah, the yeah, other yeah, yeah. Moonraker who made it. Yes. Yeah. Moonraker's when and... he gets his girlfriend. Yes. Ah, okay. And Spite okay. loved me the movie before it. That's it. That's it. Okay. 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 I'm getting there. Getting there. All right. <laughs> okay. So we already know my number three. That was a good one. Um. So let's talk a little bit about themes. So we know Goldfinger is a great theme. Um, we know Absolutely. for your eyes only is a great theme. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one of your favorites? Actually, my favorite theme song is "License to Kill." License to Gladys Kill. Knight. Really? It's not. It's not one that, that a lot of Bond fans. It's got. It's gotten more popularity as the years have gone by, but it's not at the top of a lot of Bond fans' list. I just love "License to Kill." I love. Gladys Knight being sort of this twilight of her career, this elder stateswoman who just came back to belt it one more time, which right. would probably explain why my second favorite one eh, could be Goldfinger, but they're all in competition. Would maybe be like Goldeneye, because mm-hmm. I love the Tina Turner Goldeneye, Turner. another elder stateswoman coming back to show you what she still has. So that sort of Gladys Knight, Tina Turner, those movies were back to back. One, two punch is just mwah, to me chef's kiss wow <laughs> all right well you gave me that one one and two there why don't we get me your number two favorite Ooh. james bond film right now we've uh we've heard for timmy we've heard from roger we've heard from sean it is now time to hear from mr pierce brosnan in golden eye the name is bond james bond that's a good Gold- one golden eye had so much on its shoulders a six-year hiatus would bond see that might not mean anything to younger listeners because bond movies (laughs) come out like every six years now but back in the day they came out up some 18 months apart two years three years was kind of a long time to wait for a bond we waited six years while they worked out a bunch of contractual stuff legal battles happened all this stuff happened unfortunately that meant the end of timothy dalton he left because he was tired of waiting on on them they cast pierce brosnan who they'd wanted for years they'd been eyeballing him but way back when they eyeballed timothy dalton but fun fact they actually also eyeballed timothy dalton at the same time they eyeballed george lazenby he goes back that far wow yeah, he, Timmy was really young, and he actually told the producers, I am too young to do this back in 1969. Um, but anyways, uh, Goldeneye, everything is riding on its shoulders. The entire franchise is riding on its shoulders. It's riding on a new Bond. It's been six years. Uh, is Bond still relevant in the 90s now that the Cold War is quasi over the walls fallen? All this stuff, you know, Cold War isn't what it used to be. And then they deliver this absolute top to bottom banger of a movie. And I think I've talked about this in some other 
other podcasts, but it bears repeating. I have not felt the pure happiness and joy as I stood up to walk out of that theater at a movie since then. Like they mm-hmm. got, they hit it. They hit such a home run that at the time I was about 18 years old, like 18 year old Jared, like had tears coming out of his eyes. Like I didn't know it could be this good again. And it was incredible. Wow. I've got goosebumps, man. I, I had goosebumps walking out of that theater. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I, I, I had my nephew uh, Hunter on my show before, and we can't go, we can't talk about that without talking about the Nintendo 64 game oh, man. with it. <laughs> he talked about just that that was one of the most innovative, incredible, uh, just all around fun things. Um, it kind of pretty much changed the way that um, video games were played. Um, oh, gosh. What a synergy. What a synergy from a from a hit movie. And something that's kind of lost to time is the movie came out in 95. The video game, 97. It was basically two years late. But wow. that was a, to be found to be a blessing in disguise because it like it reignited the golden eye way. Like right. people are like, oh, wow, this game is great. Let's watch the movie again. So like Goldeneye <laughs> just kind of kept going. And I did a four-part audio documentary on the OHMS pod. Uh, network of James Bond and video games. And I went by decade. There's an 80s, 90s, 2002, 2010. So it's about eight hours end to end of me talking to people who played it and all that kind of stuff. And I swear to you, golden of the eight hours, golden. I probably fills up 90 minutes of the entire (laughs) because like I would go on Twitter and say, okay, who wants to, who played this game and wants to be on my show to talk about. And so every, everybody, wow. I had to, I had to use nepotism to have my brother on. (laughs) I had had my best friend from high school on. And you could do that that when you're the host. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how it works. man. But that game, you, I'm glad you brought it up. It, mm-hmm. it, the most important thing it did that I think is lost to time is video games were the new entertainment for young people. They weren't going to the movies anymore. They weren't reading comics anymore. They weren't playing games. That game did more to get a new younger audience in the door to see James Bond movies than anything else they ever did. That wow. that brought in a whole new batch of young people. So it was a great strategic. Well, I don't know if it's strategic move or luck, but yeah. it was a great <laughs> lucky moment. I'd say. Awesome. Yeah. He, uh, he loved the game and I, so much. I, I ended up finding him at a yard sale, a Nintendo 64 with some games for like 50 bucks. And he was so excited. Wrong. No, can't you go can't wrong. go wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great number too. Of course we have to, we have to give, uh, old Alan Cummings, uh, Alan Cumming, uh, a shout out. Yeah. Uh, as Boris, Greasy finger, something I don't know. Grishiko, like boy, yeah. he's invincible. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, that Actually, was early Alan Cumming. Yeah, he yeah, was early, early with the glasses and everything. I had uh, mm-hmm. I had mailed some stuff out uh, years ago when I was doing cards, and uh, I got him to sign a card, and I got um, Joe Don Baker, who played. Yeah, he was in that. Yeah, yeah, he, I got him to play sign Jack one. Wade. Yes, yeah, the Texan, right? Yeah, they they actually used they brought in Jack because everybody was like, why don't they have Felix Slider? And they were actually paying respect to what we talked about in the previous movie. Like Felix got ate, ate up by a shark, so he's no longer a field agent. And, you know, he's retired because he's missing a leg and an arm. Um, so yeah, they brought in Jack Wade as Thank the you. new kind of Felix Slider. And Joe Don Baker was good at that. That was a good was. role for him. Yeah, I can't wait for him to to turn into a bad guy. 
you know, like, nah, like man, he hung in there. He, he, yeah, he yeah. got a couple, he got, he was back in tomorrow never dies. Yeah. He was back in that. That Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good one. All right. All right. So I guess I got to bring my ne- uh, number two. Yeah. See, what is your, it'd be two? hard. So this is, um, again, this, this show is about what is your favorite, not about what is the best or what is the most popular or anything. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And I'm going to say that this one is my number two strictly for the whole thing that you said about going to the movies and sitting and watching something and just the way that it makes you feel and, and everything. I, I'm going to choose never say never again. I love it. Do you? I do. I know people who hate that movie. Uh, I don't understand them. They are weird to me. Yeah. Never I, Say Never Again know, is freaking great. All I ever saw was, was Sean Connery as 007 on the tiny screen. Okay. So we watched him on VHS. We'd watch him on Good what, point. TBS or TNT or whatever, you know. Right. And so this was 1987, the three? It was 1983. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um. And here comes a James Bond with Sean Connery. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know, we've got it. We've got, <laughs> and now we've got another one. Oh my God, we get to pick two. And I didn't even know all of the backstory about the, the infighting and, and, you know, what right. came out of it. Um, but we get Felix Leiter, you know, uh, Bernie. Bernie Casey, Bernie. who is a top tier Felix Leiter. Excellent, you know. If you want and to then, see Felix Leiter running around with a machine gun, laying out fools next to Bond and being as badass as Bond, watch Never Say Never Again because he's great. Right. It's great. And then you get not one but two, well, three if you uh, talk about Patricia, but beautiful, beautiful Bond girls. One of oh, them yes. being Kim Passenger mm-hmm. and, and Barbara Carrera. You know, yeah. and just it was it was so cool to see him older. And still have all of all of the skills that he had. Um, and you could also see it was a little bit harder for him because he was older. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't make it where he was, you know, super and nothing hurt or whatever. It, you know, it, it, it looked like it was getting tougher for him. Um, but it's I just, one of the reasons why it's great is they yeah. leaned into him being older and not shy away. They didn't try to make him look. And funny, we should mention his look because, frankly, his last movie was Diamonds Are Forever, and I think he looks better in Never Say Never Again than he looks in Diamonds Are Forever. Really? He looks better. He he clearly got into some shape. They picked mm-hmm. a better toupee, uh, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I I love the fact they leaned into that he was older. Yes, and that they didn't shy away from that, and he was still just so good. I, I'm I. You can go on with uh, uh, glowing up this movie, but I had the same similar experience to you. I'm a little younger than you. I was about seven when it came out. Okay. This was the first time my parents let me go. You know, th- I think they still do some movies now. There's usually a seven o'clock showing and a nine o'clock showing. Right. This was the first time my parents let me go to a nine o'clock showing because like, they knew me and my brother were Bond people. And they uh-huh. were like, yeah, he's seven. He's going to fall asleep. And Jared <laughs> didn't fall asleep. I, I was like glued to the screen. Yeah, that. <laughs> That's, so I have that, that nostalgia that you do of seeing it in the theater. And for me, it was my first grown up nine o'clock. Movie, yeah. You know? Well, you know, you're a big kid, you know? Hell yeah. And it's cool to look back now that Rowan Atkinson was in it when at the time it was just yeah. some guy and I had no idea. Yeah. And you know, I, later on, I would, I would come to love 
you know, Mr. Bean. Hell yes. <laughs> God, he's in that movie. So it's like, you just can't, you know, you just so can't. Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, I don't get the people who hate it there. I don't the, either. The, the, the only, the only argument I've ever heard that I have lent some credence to is I have a friend of mine who doesn't like it because he doesn't like the music. He's like, it's just not bond without the bond theme and, and the John Barry sound, even though Barry didn't do all the soundtracks, but right. uh, Michelle Legrand did the music and, and, and it was a, it was a weird departure from Michelle Legrand's usual. The music in it isn't great. It's okay. It's not great. And, and so I, from that angle of, it doesn't have that bond feel to it because of the score. I guess I can get it, but it doesn't bother me. It was directed by Irving. I directed Empire Strikes yeah. Back, Kirshner. Right, right. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a good movie. <laughs> that's that's a very good point because you know, th there is that you've seen up to that point what 15 17 times James Bond's in action. Something like that. And you, you always get that dun, 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 and you didn't get it in that film. So yeah. no, I, a lot of people are missing it, I guess, and I I, I feel that. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't make it a bad movie. No, and you don't have to like it. There's 27 others, 26 others <laughs> to choose from. Go watch Woody Allen and uh, Ursula Andress in uh, Casino 67. Casino 6, there you go. There you go. Do that at your own risk. That's right. <laughs> Have you ever seen the original um, TV versions that came out? Like it was. Uh the Casino Royale 54 with Barry Nelson. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Cause it yeah, was on BBC. We, we, uh, well, Casino 54 was actually, it was produced here in the U S on a TV show called climax. And Barry Nelson was an American actor who played James Bond and the British actor played Felix lighter. So they switched the nationalities, <laughs> but the, the, but the story it's an hour long show and it's, it's surprisingly faithful to the book. Um, and Peter Lorre plays Le Chief really in it. And it, yeah, you can go on YouTube and watch it right now. Uh, anybody out there's interesting. I'm pretty sure it was 1954 Casino Royale. Uh, um, the actual name of the TV show was almost called Climax and Climax was like a variety show. Like we're going to show you something different every week. Oh, okay. and, and they did a bond. It is, it is pretty good. Like we, we watched it over on the long box crusade podcast and uh, everybody liked it. Every oh. every member of the crew liked it, so I'm gonna yeah. have to like it. Worth yeah, checking out. Look for it. All right. Yeah, it's. I think it's easily found on YouTube. Uh, again, it's like about 50 minutes, 54 minutes, and surprisingly good. Uh, one thing I remember is that instead of uh, smashing his uh, his PPK, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember it was like it was like they're. I think they're pulling out his toenails. They replaced oh. that with like, which is almost as bad because I'm like, almost, you know, it's it's fifties TV, so they kind of cut away at just the right moments, but you're still like, how? How? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Good stuff. But now we have come to the climax. Hey, you tied it all together. It, there you go. There you go. Um. I am ready to hear what your absolute favorite James mm -hmm. Bond film is. You probably and... figured it out. <laughs> Coming in at number one. In number one spot came out in what is arguably, I, I can also make a very strong argument for 1984, but arguably one of the best years of cinema, which was 1989. And License to Kill is my number one. <laughs> uh, I'll remind everybody that 19. 1989 uh held license to kill batman 
Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, I could go on. There's a year packed full of amazing films. <laughs> wow, no kid. 84 is like that too, though. Yeah, that's what I say. I can make an argument no. for 84. 84 is incredible as well. Uh, those, like when people say, what's the best year for cinema? I'm always like, 84 or 89, 84 or 89, 84 or 89. <laughs> They're always balancing in my head. Uh, but yeah, 89's License to Kill is my number one. I already told you I'm a huge Timothy Dalton fan. And I think there's a bit of context I need to put out because we talked about it. We talked about some details when you brought it up. So we don't have to rehash those. But I want to give a little context to this. Um, one of the reasons I thought it was just so good in 1989 was they were doing something they hadn't done before and they've done a hundred times since that's hyperbole there haven't been a hundred movies but this is the movie where things get personal mm-hmm. and james very. bond goes rogue it became very cliche for daniel craig to go rogue i don't know that he ever actually did a mission that was assigned to him <laughs> in any of his movie maybe casino but he goes rogue in all of his films and people are like, oh, I like this rogue 007. And this is my soapbox of like, if you like rogue 007, you should have supported Timothy Dalton. Because if you remember correctly, the 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 fan base kind of poo-pooed Timmy at the time. And I think yeah. it was a case of bad timing. I think we had the super suave and funny and charming Roger Moore and we shifted in a very abrupt gear yeah. into Timothy Dalton. And Timothy Dalton, because he was like, I'm going to do it like, like Fleming has it. I'm going to be Fleming Bond. And that's why I like him a lot. But he goes rogue. This is the first time. So, so again, this might be wasted on a younger audience. They may go back and watch and go, oh, I've seen Daniel Craig do that. Well, you got to remember, Timmy did it first. And I love the way they did it. They, they, they took this character that we had known for, I don't know, 15 years at that time. I'm spitballing there. Uh, but uh, for a, a string of several movies, we took this character we knew, and we knew he was tough. We knew he was a badass. And then we made a movie where we said, this is what happens when you take a man like this and you mess with his friends. Right. You made a bad decision, Mr. Yeah. Sanchez. And oh, by the way, Sanchez is an incredibly good uh, Bond villain. Yes. He's so good. Yes. He's 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 borderline likable. He's so good because he's one he's one that you know. There's all these Bond villains who always like uh, once their, their plan the is done, they kill <laughs> off the the scientist that did it for him. This guy rewards loyalty. Like if you're loyal to him. Your life is better. Yeah. Like he's so out of the mold, so bizarrely likable for such an evil man. So Sanchez is awesome. Going rogue is awesome. So Lisa Soto is one of the most gorgeous women who's ever lived. Carrie Lowell ain't too far behind. Like they got <laughs> um, the guy who plays El Presidente in Estima City. That's Pedro Armendariz Jr., the son of the guy who played uh, Bond's friend and from Rush with Love, oh. um, Karen Bay. That's that's okay. his son. Seven degrees. <laughs> there it's and and that's a beautiful thing because you know that that's i'm going to get bigger step back big picture bond kind of been lost in modern years but all the way up until this era um the bond thing was such a family experience albert r broccoli the producer on the set every day cooking spaghetti dinners for the crew yes and and, and casting pedro armandar's son in his movie because he loved that man so much and because pedro armandar's died of cancer like before promotional love ever got big he never knew his fame so he felt like i can cast his son and and pay some legacy to this man yeah and it's such a beautiful thing so it it has all that it's got freaking ninjas it's got semi trucks blowing up it's it's a movie that just doesn't stop it's so 
raw James Bond, and it has my favorite James Bond line, the, my favorite line that Bond has ever said. Oh, uh-huh. it <laughs> on me. Sanchez, Sanchez is kind of recruiting him because he doesn't know Bond's working against him yet. And he and he says, and then what do you do, Mr. Bond? He goes, um, he goes, I help people with problems. And Sanchez goes, oh, you're like a like a problem solver. And this is my favorite line. Bond goes, more of a problem eliminator. <laughs> and i'm like oh <laughs> that's cool that's cool so yeah it's it is everything to me it is the pinnacle of james bond i know it's a weird choice there's people out there that look at me like a dog looking at a wristwatch <laughs> when like, i say that i like let them care. let them that's but, what this is about why is here we your are favorite that's uh-huh. it I, i've listed like a 127 q is in the field helping bond because because they have a bond they have a bond they, they have a bond connected <laughs> they are friends all these movies they've kind of jibed each other and annoyed each other but when when the when the chips were down and bond needed somebody to help him off the books who showed right. up yeah q did and, and, and didn't awesome. didn't and I'm, I'm probably wrong here didn't he bond turn in like I, i'm resigning and instead m suspends him so he, he doesn't okay. have the license, but he still has a position. Is that all right? So kind of. Uh that that spot for spot happens in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. He goes to resign and it's actually money penny. He turns the resignation letter into a request for time off. Oh, okay. And so she's very clever in that. But in this one, there is a scene at Hemingway House in the Florida Keys, where I have been, because I always go to bond filming locations when I can. Uh, awesome. <laughs> but there's a scene where he resigns. He says, well, I'll, I'll tender my resignation. And uh, M says, we're not a country club 007, you know, and and basically Bond just runs away. Uh, and, okay. and and as he's running away, Bond says, uh, you know, Godspeed 007 or something like that. So you get that impression uh-huh. that, you know, he wanted to resign. He ended up running away and and M's not exactly going to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a scene where Moneypenny is like trying to figure out where he is and what he's doing. She's going through some some intel and M walks in and she tries to hide it. And M actually asks like, okay, what news do you have on James? You know, like <laughs> they all care about him. Yes. Uh, yes. It's such a good, it's such a good movie. It hits me in so many different fields. I'll shut up now. Yeah. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What do you think about, um, uh, Monty Python SQ. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, why is his name not in my head right now? Either I can right, see his I face. I keep wanting to say let's John Lithgow. Let's all take a moment. It's just super famous. He's super famous. He's hilarious. He's great. John Cleese. John Cleese. Thank you. Uh, thank John you. Cleese Google. Taking- John Cleese taking over for Q was, I thought, a brilliant move. Um, yeah. He just fits so well, and that sm- he could smart Alec right back with James. Mm-hmm. He felt like Q because he, it just his delivery. Make he seems like a smart guy. He he might be being silly, but he also has, has an air of intelligence about it. like he could be inventing crazy stuff. So yeah, I I like John Cleese as a place. I wish he could have hung around a little a I know. little longer. Yeah, yeah, but, I did. I did because that's one of Q was one of the fixed characters throughout i mean we had different yeah. pennies you know we had different well we didn't have that many different m's i know i think i i think we had q in everything except the very first one 
And I think he wasn't in Live and Let Die. And I think that was it. I think he was in all the others. Yeah. And then, of course, we had him all the way to Moonraker, but the actor passed away. And then they would release him, a, replace him a couple movies later uh, with the guy, uh, uh, Brown is his last name. Or why his first name fell out of my head, I don't know. Doc. But he's very good as well. But I'm sorry. Well, I could do Bond trivia with you all day long. But yes, right. Q is a stalwart. Him and Lois Maxwell is, is Money Penny. There you go. Stalwarts. She was awesome. Uh, all right. Well, let me lay my number one on you. And again, it has to do with who I was at the time and, you know, where I was going and what was going on in my life and everything. So I'm just going to go. Number one is Moonraker. Just, okay. <laughs> I love it. I love is it. it. Is it the best film? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> um, but I was a huge nerd for the space shuttle. Um, I, I tell the story that, you know, my dad always said that, you know, it's not about knowing everything. It's about how knowing someone who knows something. And mm -hmm. so when I wanted, was a kid, I wanted to know about the space shuttle and he didn't know. And then several weeks later, I come home and there's a packet from NASA with like it, all of this stuff, all of these eight by 10 colored pictures, you know, it was basically a press pack that they gave out. Oh, so wow. that ignited me. And I did like, uh, you know, uh, uh, science fairs and social studies fairs. And it was always about, you know, the space shuttle. So when Moonraker comes out and they have space shuttles, I'm like, oh my God. And that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and so this movie's always stuck with me, not just because you've got Roger Moore, Chewing up scenes is not the right word because that's disparaging to him. But I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Chewing up scenes in all the most wonderful ways. Almost wonderful <laughs> ways. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 almost like two movies because you've got all of this stuff going on um where you're you're trying to you're trying to find figure out what he's doing. What's it, Draco? Drax. Yeah, Drax. Drax. yeah, Drax, Drax. You know, what's going on with him and how he can figure out how, you know, how to, to break it. You've got all of the stuff in, in Italy, uh, in, you know, they're, they're riding in the gondolas and, and, you know, everything that's going on there. And then they do actually get up into space and you've mm -hmm. got the pew, 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 pews. And, <laughs> you know, and again, you know, you see, um, we we finally get to see um, Jaws become a good guy. I mean, you know, he basically saves James Bond, and, and he gets he gets the pigtails. So it's it's <laughs> it's just a wonderful movie. And of course, you know, it always ends with Bond doing something, you know, sly and uh, coming down. <laughs> and, you know, with, and, and again, beautiful, beautiful women. And Lois Maxwell was Miss Moneypenny in that one. Yes. Yeah, so you've got just just a great cast. Drax was he was he was very much a Bond villain. I mean, there's been some classic <laughs> Bond villains that are just over the top, and he was definitely on the pinnacle, if not over. He was the so top. mellow all the time. I have a friend of mine who calls him the Perry Como of James Bond villains. I think that's a good prey <laughs> because he's so mellow, which made him a little more scary. Yeah, yeah, I love, love the choice, man. I love the choice. Like, it's one of the most easy to make fun of James Bond movies. Like, a lot of people put it in their sites and say it's 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 
bad or whatever, but it has an insane fun factor. Yes. And one of the most um, forgotten things about it, and you would know because you saw it at the theater, I assume. Yeah. Um, is that ending theme is the Moonraker theme disco style. Yes. <laughs> and and I want you to think about that because as you're walking out, you've just seen James Bond save the day. Uh, he's having sex with a beautiful woman in zero G's. <laughs> They're spinning around the planet in orbit, <laughs> and this disco Moonraker theme comes on. You get up out of your seat with a smile on face a mile wide, and you yeah. kind of disco dance right out of that theater. That doesn't happen the Daniel Craig era, sir. No, it does not, son. And, and I'll tell you the truth. Leave. You're, you're <laughs> a little younger, but when I went to see it at the theaters, a disco ball came down from the middle of the <laughs> and just it was awesome. Just <laughs> yep, yep. And I'll I'll tell that story till I die. <laughs> I love it. But no, I, I, I don't, I don't fault you. There was a, there, there was a Jared of maybe 10 or 15 years ago that would have faulted you and mocked you. Yeah. But as I've gotten older and I've watched it and rewatched it, and I had another friend of mine that I podcast with Van Plexico, he loves it. And it was kind of his love of it that made me go, let me look at it again. You yeah. Know, let me, let me not, I don't know. You can bleep if you need to on this. Let me not be a dick and <laughs> look at it again. Right. And do another and set of take eyes my now. preconceived notions. Yeah, right. and I watched right. it again, and I was like, "This is, this is great. This is great. This is great adventure." And and it goes back to what I said at the top of the show. There's a Bond flavor for everybody, for every mood. So if you're like, "Man, I want to want to, I want to want to watch a Bond movie. I don't want to be depressed." Daniel Craig era. <laughs> when I leave, I want to feel uplifted and just stupid seventies fun. Bingo, pop in Moonraker. It's going to be a blast. Nope. I love it. And one of my favorite scenes out of that entire movie is when he's fighting Chang. Um, yeah, and and they're like sliced, and he's like trying to, he's running around from me with the with the, the, the bushido on. He's, ah! yeah. <laughs> great, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, they're fighting in like a glass factory, and they're yes. breaking everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a bull in a china shop? You got these two guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's pretty darn good, and yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, that's and right. Poo poo it if you want, but you know it's there. And when you want, like I said, when you want that fun. I mean, that's the one that starts out with the skydiving, isn't it? Where they, yeah. And Jaws ends up landing in a circus tent. Yeah. Well, that, it doesn't, isn't that where, no, that's not, yeah, no, that's where he meets her because she's in the village. No. Oh, he no, meets no, no, her no. after he comes down on the gondola. On the gondola. Yeah. <laughs> that's what and I was thinking. He can't quite get the big metal wheel off, and her tiny little 98 pound frame helps him get that wheel off. And yeah. So magic well, happens. That's it. Just just like in uh, Incredible Hulk. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> there's, my, wow. there's my autograph picture from Richard oh, Keel. Uh, did you get to meet him? My brother met him at a con and had it done for me. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. And, you know, you're we can't have to we... go ahead. I was going to say, you have to get my brother Jason on an episode because he'll he's as much of a Von Geek as me and he'll have a different top five. Well, how about <laughs> you and your brother make lists of your favorite Bond moments? Ooh, what? Like quips or something like that. Ooh. And we'll do the three of us. Oh, 15 quips. Make a note. All right. <laughs> Bond quips. I like it. Quips. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, so it's a date. It's a mandate. <laughs> a mandate. We've mandated a, we've mandated a mandate. I like it. <laughs>
Well, listen, I want, oh, wait, what I was going to say is we can't end this without talking about how awesome Timothy Dalton was in oh. Flash Gordon. Yes. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know which of the two things I, 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 you know, are in my mind more is him as James Bond or is him as the prince. <laughs> <laughs> Stick he your was hand so in good. the tree. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> he was so good. He's good. I mean, I love him and everything. I'm a Timothy Dalton Homer, but uh, yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, I don't think I actually saw Flash Gordon until after I saw his Bond. So he'll always be Bond to me. But like, oh. I discovered Flash Gordon like on VHS after after License to Kill came out. I mean, I knew it existed. I just hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. Your mind had not been exposed and opened to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Now I know. It's just amazing. Gordon's uh, uh, alive? Alive, alive, alive. <laughs> I, I could talk about Queen's uh, movie oh, soundtracks for, for there, hours. There again, you got to have my brother Jason on yep. for that. My brother Jason's the biggest Queen fan I've ever met. So Wow. You know. Awesome. <laughs> well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. I know you've got another show to do. You're busier than I am. Uh, so I'm, we're going to wrap it up I, again. You really brought the bond. Um, just, I love having people on who know more about the subject than I do because I always get schooled <laughs> to always. a false. I, I brought uh, 10 pounds of bond to a five pound ship. Not at all. Not at all. I love you. <laughs> And that's what we want for every episode of Faith Five for Fans. So guys out there in the podcast universe, if you like this episode, first of all, go and go to the Kickstarter and look up Hamilton Werewolves and spend all of your lunch money this week on backing that. Uh, and then maybe it. hop over and uh, listen to a couple of episodes of the Longbox Crusade and just become a new fan, you know. But Absolutely. don't forget to listen, rate, and review Faith Five for Fans and if you like the show, tell somebody you like. And if you don't like the show, tell somebody you don't like. Maybe it'll ruin their <laughs> afternoon. Who knows? <laughs> I'll have to try that one. On our show, on our network, we always say, if you like the show, tell somebody you like. If you don't like it, we, you know, keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say, if you don't like the episode, you get your money back. Yeah, exactly. Full refund. Well, that's it for this episode. I want to thank our guest, Jared, one last time. It has been a hoot, sir. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Jamie. This is a really great podcast idea, by the way, because because it allows that that flow of topics, oh, and you get you. the people to talk about what they're passionate about, and, and that just makes for good programming. So it was a brilliant idea on your part and well-executed. Uh, I'm glad you invited me. I have a sneaky suspicion you're going to be showing up at the Longbox Crusade sometime soon. I've got some things in mind for you. I like funny books. <laughs> Good. I got something in mind for you. All right. And remember, folks, it may not be the best. It may not be the most popular. But if it's your favorite, then it's good enough for us. Thank you for joining us and have a good one. The name's Bond. James Bond. <laughs>